is greater than all the blood of the Lamb. Let's sing greater than all one more time. Oh, it's greater than all my sin is the blood that still cleanses me, is the grace that still saves.
came and were born. Oh, on that night, they say, shout it on the mountaintops. We'll shout the name of Jesus, oh God. Oh, Jesus, we're here tonight, oh Jesus, shouting your name. Oh, for our salvation, for our family, for our healing, oh God. Oh, for our deliverance, oh Jesus. We speak the name of Jesus this evening, oh God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. We praise your name. Hallelujah. We'll just go to prayer at this time. Brother Tim, if we could stand, or Brother Tim Dodd. We don't have any written prayer requests. If you have a need, just lift it before the Lord. Amen. He meet and answer that need. so glad tonight to speak that name above every name Jesus our Lord Jesus our Savior Jesus the name by which we are saved and the one by which we are called Mrs. Jesus Christ we're so glad to be called your bride we're so glad to come into union with you we are glad you have sent a uniting message in these last days, O oh God, that we might be separated out of the world and separated unto Jesus Christ. Lord, that one provided place of worship, which is in you, O oh Lord. We bless your name this evening. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. Lord, many might be wondering what happened 2,000 years ago, but the one that was born in a manger is still alive today. Lord, you are in the midst of your people, glorifying your name, fulfilling your word, magnifying the name of Jesus above every name. One day every knee shall bow, but in this day, Lord, we bow ourselves before you, O God. Unto you belongs all glory all honor, all majesty. Lord, we love you. We give you praise. There's not enough time in the day to praise you, O God. There's not enough time in the service to say what we ought to say. But Lord, may you look down in our hearts and see our love, Lord, just beating there for you because you first loved us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this service tonight. Thank you for everyone that is here, those that are streaming on the internet. Lord, we invite you to fill this place, to fill their homes, fill their places where they are listening. Lord, with your presence. Lord, may you lock us into your thoughts this evening. As Brother Jean would come forth, O oh God, to bring your word, we pray that you'll anoint him, not, that, not to make him uh, just emotional. We appreciate the emotion. But Lord, anoint him to deliver that which is eternal this evening. Lord, not the thoughts of God for the not the thoughts of a man for the words of a man will fail, but we desire your thoughts, O Lord, for heavens and earth will pass away, but your word will never fail. Your promises are yea and amen. We have come to claim them. We have come to possess them. We have come, Lord, to obtain. Forgive us every shortcoming. If there's anything, Lord, between us and you, let it be under the blood that you might have the preeminence this evening. And we give this service now unto you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Our brother Ethan Samuels has a special for us. Amen. As he comes, can we sing Welcome Holy Spirit? Or unless you're ready. Ready?
bless you, everybody. Just had a special in my mind. Just pray it's a blessing to you. Since Brother Jean comes, can we sing, This is Your House? Father, come and dwell. Let's start with the first verse. Oh, we've set aside this temple for you, Lord. 
Can we sing the chorus, uh, have your way, have your way? I just want to read a quote to start here. Brother Branham says in the message, Souls That Are in Prison Now. He says, Now remember the service tonight is a healing service. And I don't think it will be necessary to give out prayer cards. So we're just going to pray for the sick. But I have something that I want to tell you. And I hope that it will just bring the congregation into a place. To where there will just be all kinds of healing take place. I know it will be if we'll just believe it that way. How many want to know what Brother Bonham has to say to the congregation? He's saying that there's something I want to tell you tonight in the healing service that I believe that we're not going to have a prayer line or anything, but if you can only grasp it and believe it, it says all sorts of healings will take place. And I'm going to tell you what Brother Bonham says in that message, but I'm going to tell you at the end of the service. So now I have your attention. You're going to wait for that till the very end of the service. Let's turn to the word. We're going to open our Bible into the book of Matthew, chapter 27. Thank you, musician. Matthew 27, verse 11 to And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, and so much that the governor marveled greatly. Now, at that feast, which is a Passover feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, 
Whom will ye that I release unto you? Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ. For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said unto them, What shall I do then? With Jesus, which is called Christ. They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we've come tonight to hear from you, Lord. Father, the preaching of the word is such a supernatural act because it's God taking the foolishness of preaching, taking a weak man and speaking words of eternal life to his people. And Lord, we've come tonight to hear from you, not from a man, as Brother Tim prayed, the thoughts of a man will bring nothing but death, but the thoughts of God indeed are filled with life. And Lord, I pray tonight that you will speak to your people, live to ear. You know the thoughts that I've penned down. You know the things that you've made real unto me. You know how you've dealt with me the past couple of days or several weeks on this subject. Lord, and I just pray that tonight you will have your way as we sank. Lord, only you can break the bread of life to our souls, Lord. A man can say one or two words, Lord, but when you speak beyond the man, Lord, it's eternal life to us, Father. A man can motivate and inspire but the words of God changes forever. So I pray that you have your way tonight. Bless your word. Bless the people. In the name of Jesus Christ, you pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now this, uh, I'm going to take my text from Matthew chapter 27 here. I'm going to give you my title in a little bit. I know it sounds like a, a heavy scripture to, to start with, but... It's going to be positive. The word, the word is positive. I'm not going to be inducting you for crucifying Jesus Christ. Don't worry. That's not where I'm going. But the question that Pilate asks here is one of the greatest questions of the Bible. What shall I do with this Jesus, which is called the Christ? And we find that in the scriptures, there are many, uh, many questions that are asked throughout the scriptures that are pertinent and very important questions. And just a few of them here in Genesis 3, verse 9. This is perhaps the first question here when God comes to Adam and says, where are you? Adam and Eve, after the sin, and Adam hid from the face of God, God comes and asks him this question, Adam, Adam, where are you? In Genesis 4, verse 9, God comes to Cain after he killed Abel. He says, where is Abel, thy brother? In Matthew 16, verse 15, Jesus to his disciples says, who do you say I am? I, the son of man, he says, some say that you're this, some say that you're Elias, some say that you're Jeremiah, some say you're one of the prophets. But Jesus turned to him and he says, what about you? What do you say I am? In Job 38, verse 4, God comes and speaks to Job and says, since you think that you're wise, grab up your loins and I will ask you, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? In Matthew 22, verse 42, Jesus speaks to the Pharisee and says, who do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? And they couldn't answer that question. In Matthew 21, verse 10, as Jesus makes his way into Jerusalem, sitting on an ass, he says, the, the multitude ask, who is this? 
in John 18, verse 38, as Pilate is engaging in the conversation with Jesus Christ, he asked him, in, in, in John, um, let me just read that scripture quickly. John 18, 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, Are there a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of truth hear my voice. Pilate said unto him, What is truth? That's another question in the Bible. What is truth? Now, in Matthew 27, where we read, verse 22, this question is, what shall I do then with this Jesus who is called the Messiah, or the Christ? Pilate is responsible for two of the most important questions in the Bible. The first of them being, what is truth? Till this day, this question still rings true. People are still asking this question today. What is truth? He stood in front of the person who was the way, the truth, and the life, and he asked him, what is truth? It's the right question to ask. Pilate had the ability to, write very, to ask very important questions, but what he did with the answers, that's, what is, uh, that's what's critical. Another question here, as we read, is Pilate saying, what shall I do therefore with this Jesus called Christ? Today, we'll be looking into this question that Pilate is asking. It's one of the most important questions of the Bible that we're all confronted with as Christians. What will we do with this Jesus? And my title tonight is, what will you do with this anointed word? What are you going to do with this anointed word? In Matthew chapter 27, verse 19, where we read, it says, When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. Now, Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat. He was about to pronounce judgment. He was the judge. He was sitting on the judgment seat. And then he asked the people to be the judge of what would happen to this man, Jesus. So somewhere in this dialogue here, the people and Pilate traded places. So the one who was sitting on the judgment seat, instead of being the one who pronounced the judgment, he asked the people, you sit on the judgment seat. You pronounce the judgment. You tell me what are we going to do with this man called Jesus. So he asked the people to pronounce the judgment. And not only did they pronounce the judgment on Jesus... But they pronounce the judgment on themselves. And we know that the house of God is a house of correction. Judgment begins in the house of God. This is the judgment seat. And I'll be asking you the question this evening. What will you do with this anointed word? So somewhere in the course of the service, we'll be trading seats. You'll be sitting in the judgment seat. And you will pronounce the sentence, what shall be done to this anointed word? So before you make your judgment tonight... Let's be sure that we hear the facts of the case very carefully before we judge. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 10, it tells us that when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethage unto the Mount of Olives, they sent Jesus to disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say unto you, you shall say, if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, the Lord have need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this, important scripture, verse 4 says, now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, tell you the daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and they called the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. 
and brought the ass and the colt and put them put on them their clothes and then and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread the garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and straw them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed Christ saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, Who is this? Now this is a man whose coming was expected. Prophets have spoken about Jesus' birth. They've spoken that the Messiah was going to come. And as a matter of fact, as we read here in Matthew 21, it says that this was done to fulfill the scriptures. It's to fulfill the prophecy of Zechariah 9.9 that says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon the colt, the fall of an ass. This is scripture. They knew this. It can be more plain than this. This is what Zechariah is saying was going to take place. is happening in their midst. And there is a group that say, Oh, Zana, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They're catching it. This is what Zechariah spoke about. But there's another group that say, Who is this? Who is this man? And throughout the life of Jesus Christ, people often marveled. Who is this man? Who is this? What manner of man is this that the seas and the winds obey him? Who is this man that demons are subject unto him? Who is this man who can walk on the waters? Who is this man who says he has power to forgive sins? Who is this man that heals on the Sabbath? What manner of man is this? Who is this man who has power to raise the dead? Who is this man that could see Nathaniel when he was praying under the fig tree before Philip called him and said, I saw you. Who is this Jesus Christ? Some say that he was Elias. Some said he was Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Some said he was a rabbi, a good teacher, a doctor sent from God, Nicodemus said. But he asked his disciples, who do you say I am? Who do you say this is? And Brother Bana preached a message. He says, who do you say this is? Who do you say is this is? Who do you say appeared on that river in 1933 and spoke as John was sent with a message? Your message, you, you shall forerun the second coming of the Lord. Who do you think is that person that appeared in Houston, Texas, 1950, the pillar of fire above and said, Who do you say this is? Who do you say is this who calls up a prayer line and tells you what you're praying about and tells you your name and tells you the secrets of your hearts? Who do you say this is? Because who you say this is determines what you will do with that person. Because if that person is the Messiah, then what will you do with the Messiah? Who do you say is this? Let me ask you to not close the Bible way. Who do you say is appearing in these last days? Who do you say is this that's appearing in these last days? Was it a man? Who do you say this is? Now this Jesus was Isaiah's words materialized. He was the embodiment of scriptures. He was everything that the prophets and the law spoke of, made flesh. He was the Logos. He was God in the flesh. He was Elohim. He was the creator wrapped into human skin. He was the fulfillment of all scriptures. Then why did the multitude therefore ask the question, who is this? Brother Adam says that the right question, they should not have asked, who is this? They should have said, there he is. That would have been the right statement to make because if your eyes were fixated on the promises of God to be fulfilled in your days, when you see those words fulfilled, the question is not, who is this? The question is, there it is. 
There it is, what the prophet spoke about. What Moses spoke about. The Lord your God shall send you a prophet like unto me. Here he is. He is coming our midst. Here he is. We don't ask the question, who is this? That's not the question we're asking. We're saying, there it is. There is Malachi 4 verse 5 and 6 fulfilled. There is Luke 17 30. Here it is, Revelation 10 verse 7. The mighty angel himself shall descend with an open book. Here it is. In our midst. It's now who is this? It's now who is this? Here it is. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what the church has been waiting for for 2,000 years. This is what we've been waiting for. Scriptures are laid dormant in the Old Testament. And the Holy Spirit comes and quickens those scriptures. And they take place in our midst. And our eyes are open to see it. We say, here it is. When the word has been spoken, Brother Branham says, for this certain generation, there is going to be somebody rise on the scene that will fulfill that word because God has spoken it. We can stop here for a moment because this is shouting material. Right here, we can have a revival just on this statement here. He says, when the word has been spoken for a certain generation, there is going to be somebody Somebody will rise on the scene and I will fulfill that word. And he says, why? Because God spoke it. Now, the source is important. When somebody brings news to me and say, do you know such and such will happen? And they say, I say, where have you heard this? Who told you this? Because the source matters whether I can give it any credit. I can only have confidence based on the source. If somebody came and told me, you know what, we're going to start having two services on Sundays. I say, who told you this? So well, I've heard it from somebody in the church. Okay, fine. But if somebody says, the pastor said it, well, now I can believe it. Because the person who said it has the power to perform what he said. Right? He has the authority. Only the pastor has the authority to say, okay, now we're going to be doing two services. So his word has more weight. And I can believe what he said because I know who said it. That's what Brother Mom is saying here that... There's going to be somebody rise on the scene to fulfill that scripture. Why? Because God said it. Right. Okay. says the message, the infallibility of God spoken more. He says, and I read this quote before. He says, if this audience tonight could only get settled in her mind, who said this? And what this really is, this spoken word. We won't need a healing service. We won't need a salvation altar call. It will be finished if we just realize what the word was. Now, in every single age, the Spirit of the Lord comes to the Word pertaining to that age. That's what the prophet Gary is saying. He's saying that there's also words spoken in the Bible for the last day. Those words have to come to life. So if he says those words have to come to life, it means that those words are not living. Because they have to come to life. So those words lay dormant. There's words that God has spoken pertaining to every single age. And the words pertaining to your day lay dormant in the word. And then the spirit of God comes to that word and brings it to life. Energizes that word that lay dormant. And that word is made manifest. What does it produce? The Messiah. Now the Messiah or the anointed word is a word for your day that has been made manifest by the spirit. That is the Messiah. 
That is the anointed word of your day. It's when the scriptures pertain to your day, when the Holy Spirit comes and broods over them and brings them to life. When that word takes on flesh, it's the Messiah in your midst. Who do you say this is in this last day? It's the anointed word. Who? Christ the Messiah. So the word of your day is the Messiah for your day. It's the anointed word. So when the time to fulfill Isaiah's prophecy had come, God found somebody that rose up to fulfill that prophecy. And it was Mary. Now Mary rose up to fulfill the words of Isaiah. Now there were many widows in Israel. But Elijah was, Elias was only sent to the one in Sarepta, right? There were many virgins in Israel. But Gabriel was only sent to Mary. Now, there's something interesting here. I'm, I'm, the reason why I'm going through the first coming of the Lord is because I'm trying to make a point. And I hope that you will get there by yourself without me telling you that. Because what I'm really talking about is this day. We're talking about the first coming, but what I'm really talking about is the second coming. We're talking about the Messiah, Jesus Christ. But I'm not talking about the man from 2,000 years ago of Galilee. I'm talking about the Messiah that's here in your midst tonight. So as I'm talking about the first coming in your mind, think with me. This is where we're going, okay? But I'm going to draw a parallel here. Just happen to be thinking this way, so bear with me. It's something that's, that captivated my attention here is that when around the time of the birth of Jesus, and I'll say around the time of the birth of the word, of the anointed word of the day, there's several supernatural events that take place around the birth of Jesus. And Gabriel, we know in Luke chapter 1, appears to Mary, and he makes the announcement to Mary. Then we know in Matthew chapter 1 that God appears to Joseph in a dream. We know that in Matthew chapter 2, the, the wise men saw a star in the east. And then they traveled westward to Jerusalem. Oh my. They saw the star in the east and they had to go west. They had to go west because the word was about to be born. They had to go west. Okay, now the shepherds, God appears to the, the angels appear to the shepherds announcing the birth of the Messiah. Simeon, God appears to Simeon and reveals to him that he will not die until he sees the Messiah. Elizabeth, she has an, an experience with God when she was barren, and she is going to bear the forerunner of his coming. Zechariah, who is the husband, the angel appears to him and he doubted the word of the angel. The angel struck him, he couldn't speak until that scripture was fulfilled. Several people here had supernatural experiences around the timing of the opening of the word for their day. It just happened to be that in 1961, when Brother Emma talks about in the message, he says, sure, is this the time of the, the sign of the end? He goes, I just found it so particular because he goes into, Brother Junior Jackson had a dream. Brother Bilo had a dream. Brother Roy Robertson had a dream. Sister Collins had a dream. Brother Parna had a dream. Sister Steffi, and he goes into all of his dreams. And all of them have one thing in common, is him going west. Because the word is about to be open. So around the timing of the birth or the opening of the word, you see these supernatural uh, acts are taking place. And God is revealing to this person, talking to this person. He's talking to Mary. He's talking to Elizabeth. He's talking to Zechariah. He's talking to Simeon. There's the people that are involved here in the coming of the Lord. It's just so a perfect parallel when the word was going to be opened in these last days, when the prophet had to go east to west. Why? Because the word was about to be born in these last days. Perfect parallel. Scripture. Now, Jesus, 
is born. And he's the anointed word of this day. But he's a man. Like you and I. Except his birth. He's a man through whom the greatest prophecies of the Old Testament are about to be fulfilled. Until the day of Jesus, there was no greater day to live on the face of the earth. No greater day. Yes, the days of Abraham were great. Yes, the days of Noah were great. And his message that saved eight souls out of 11 billion people. And there was a flood. Those were great days. The days of Moses were particularly great. The people that were enslaved for 400 years. Here comes the prophet with the mighty hand and sons of wonders. And, and he reduces the greatest power on the face of the earth, then Egypt, to dust. Glorious days to live in. The peel of fire is visible in their midst. The cloud of God is with them. The cloud of glory. The Shekinah presence coming to the wilderness. Manna is falling from heaven. The Red Sea is open up. What a glorious day that was. But none of those days compared. To the days of Jesus. There was the days of Joshua were also great days. Where Joshua once, as Brother Tim spoke about, where sonship rose in Joshua and he spoke to the sun and, and the sun has stopped. And the Bible says that there was never a thing like that before and after. Great! What a great day that was. There came great judges like Samson, it was heard about on Sunday, and Gideon. And then there came kingdoms and the prophets and you came... David and Solomon with the greatest kingdom on the face of the earth. A thousand years, this is millennium, what I'm saying. Peace, Israel had no war. Great days to live in. But Jesus said there's a greater than Solomon is here. So the days of Jesus were the greatest day ever till then. All the Old Testament prophets desired to see that day. Abraham saw him in Genesis 18. Daniel saw him in the, as the ancient of days. The three Hebrews saw him as the fourth man in the fire. Moses saw his back. They all long for the day where they will see his coming. When they will see this anointed word in their day. All of them wanted to see that. And now you have a people on the face of the earth that are privileged. They have the honor and the privilege of living in the days of the fulfillment of the greatest of all scriptures. Think about it. What a privilege that is. Moses didn't have that privilege. Isaiah spoke about it. Jeremiah spoke about it. Daniel spoke about it. The ancient days coming. All those prophets spoke about it. But here there's a people on the face of the earth that are living in the fulfillment of those words. And they're asking, who is this? The greatest scriptures. The greatest promises. I, 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 was, in, uh, I was in Edmonton a few months ago and I was speaking there. And I spoke on a subject, this day is that day. And, and I was, essentially, I, was, I asked him this question. I say, if you're an angel and God told you, you know what? I'm going to create now. I'm going to create heaven and earth, and I'm going to create the sea and the animals, and I'm going to create man. But each one of you gets to choose one day. One day. You don't get to see every single day of creation. You get to choose one day, and I'll give you a front row seat, and you're going to see me create. And I asked him, if you're an angel, which day do you choose? This is the first day. Do you choose the second day where he created the trees? Do you choose the third day? Do you choose the fourth day when they separate the light on what? Which day would you choose? They're able to say fourth day, six, seven, right? But imagine if that, was the actual, if that was actually the case. Which day would you choose? One will say, oh my, God said, let there be light and this glorious light came. Wow, that's glorious. I got to see this glorious day. And I would be like, yeah, that was fun, but I got to see him create animals. And I would be like, well, I got to see him create man. That was exactly like him. 
in his image, in his likeness. That's a much greater day than the fifth day, than the fourth day, than the third day. And I want to say, well, on the seventh day, I got to see God rest. Because now there is a man on the face of the earth that was exactly like him that he had given all power and authority to. I got to witness the seventh day. So each angel will perhaps choose a different day. Now, if you're there, which day would you choose? Now, this is if, the, if God had given the prophets of the Old Testament the choice to see, which day do you want to live in? Which day do you think they would choose? The days of Moses? Or would they choose the day of the Messiah? Because the Messiah coming in the flesh is the greatest act in the whole of the Bible till that day. This is what the seed of the woman made manifest. Making a point here, I'm sending you up for something. Now, Jesus, his ministry, the purpose of his ministry was to get the people to believe in him. If you can get the people to believe in you, you say, where are you getting that? Well, scripture, John 8, 46, which of you convinces me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you believe me? Why do you not believe me? John 4, 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. John 8, 24, I say therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. John 13, 19, I tell you therefore, I tell you before it come, that when it comes to pass, you may believe that I am he. John 14, 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. So the purpose of his ministry, the purpose of all the miracles and all the teaching and everything that he did was to get the people to believe in him. Do you agree? Okay, I'm going slowly. So to be part of redemption in those days was to have faith in the Son of God. Amen? Simple. So Jesus did everything to get the people to believe in him. Now, the faith of that hour was to believe who Christ was. The faith that was delivered in that day was to believe that he was what the scriptures say that he was. Right? And so all the statements that Jesus made, I am the bread of life, I am the good shepherd, I am the door, all those things, and every miracle that he did, healing the, uh, raising the dead and healing the sick and walking on waters and rebuking the storm, everything was to help their faith was to get them to receive the faith of the hour, which was that Christ is in your midst. He is the Son of God. He is what the Scriptures say He is. Believe in me. That was His ministry. Get the people to believe in you. The Bible even says that in that city, Jesus did no miracles because of their unbelief. So He couldn't do anything for them unless they believed Him. If you get the people to believe in you, nothing shall resist your prayer. If Jesus got the people to believe in Him, nobody could resist His prayer. Now, Jesus did all of this to get the people to believe in him because that was the faith of the hour. And the faith of that hour was to believe that he was the son of God. The faith of this hour is to believe that you are a son of God. Amen. They rejected the message then that would bring them into redemption. And today people are rejecting the message that will bring them into rapture. The faith of that hour was to believe that he was what the scripture said he was. The faith of this hour is to believe that you are what the scripture says you are. It's one thing to believe that he is the Messiah. That was the faith of the hour. Show me the Messiah that I may believe in him. I just speak to you, I am he. Believe in me. That was his ministry. Get the people to believe in me. That was the faith of the hour is to believe who Christ was. 
For 2,000 years, we believe in who Christ was. But the faith of this hour is to believe what the scriptures say you are. It's not about looking what the scriptures say about Jesus. We all believe who he was. Now the faith of this hour, the message that God is sending in these last days, is to lose a faith in you about what the scriptures say concerning you. As Brother Thomas has been ministering, what says thou of thyself? What does the word say of you? That is the faith of this hour. What does the word say you are? Having faith in that, it's not just about having faith in Jesus. That gets you through a tribulation. Woo! That gets you through a tribulation. Salvation. But having faith in who you are gets into a rapture. Because rapturing faith is perfect faith in who you are. The faith of this hour is no longer looking 2,000 years ago and saying he was the Messiah. That's a good revelation. Move on. Let's go on to perfection. The faith of this hour is who are you? What does the scripture say about you? That's the purpose of all the 1,100 tapes you listen to. That's the purpose of every service. That's the very purpose of the seals being open. It all culminates to this. The word of this hour is to bring the faith of this hour, which is rupturing faith. And rupturing faith is faith in who you are. It's not faith in Jesus. It's not faith in Jesus. Let me say that again. It's not faith in Jesus. It's more a step higher than that. Because if you believe in Jesus, then you believe what he said about you. If you have rapturing faith, then you believe in God. If all you have is believing in Jesus, but you cannot see what the word says of you, how are you going to make that rapture? So now Jesus walked in perfect faith. What the scriptures say that he was. He was the word of the hour. And perfect faith was in him. In other words, perfect faith was found in the word of the hour. And that's the very reason he's crucified. John chapter 10, Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of these works do you stone me? The Jews answered him saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. So Jesus walked in perfect faith. As Brother Tom was saying, he was not bashful of what the scripture said of him. The Bible says he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So Jesus didn't think he was out of place to be equal with God. He wasn't hiding under a tree or under some, some, a table. He wasn't shy about saying, I, I won't tell anybody else. But he knew who he was. He embraced who he was. He lived who he was. He manifested who he was. He proclaimed who he was. He wasn't ashamed of who he was. And because of faith in who he was, which is perfect faith, they condemned him. It wasn't because of the miracles. It wasn't because of the healing. It was because this man walked in perfect faith. That brought the persecution and the condemnation of Jesus Christ. What's going to bring the squeeze to this church in these last days? What's going to bring the persecution? It's when you know who you are. When you have perfect faith like Jesus did, perfect faith is what triggers the persecution. You think about the squeeze in the third pole. What brings on the squeeze? It's you getting to perfect faith. It's you knowing exactly who you are. When you are who you are and you proclaim it and you're not bashful about it and you begin to manifest it, you begin to live it, you begin to express it, all of a sudden, all the World Church Council comes together. Brother Bible says in the message, he says, God's doing it and the light is causing it. 
It's a paradox. It's like, how is all the darkness coming together? It's because of the light. The light is being expressed, and it's pushing the darkness, and the darkness comes together to fight the light. What brings it on? It's your faith. And what the word says. What brings on the rapture? It's you. The rapture doesn't come and take you whether you're ready or not. You cause the rapture. You cause the rapture. What brings the harvest? It's when the first day in the field reach maturity. The farmer doesn't go in the field and says, meaning, meaning, I know which one I'm going to take today. No, no, no. He comes to the field because all this crop have come to maturity. All the green has been baked away because they lay in the presence of the sun. And the maturity tells the farmer, it's time to take me to the garden. It's your perfection, your maturity. Faith in what the word says of you, that tells him, rapture me out of this earth because I'm ready for you. It's you. You call the rapture. You cause the resurrection. You cause it. How? Perfect faith in what the word says you are. And now we're saying, oh, the rapture, is, the rapture is coming. I don't know if I'm ready. How? You cause the rapture. The rapture happens because you're ready. The rapture is a consequence of you being ready. The rapture is a result of you putting on the garment of the word. That's what brings about the rapture. So Jesus was crucified for having perfect faith. Think about it. Now, he wasn't ashamed. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't fearful. The prophet says, I found that one of the greatest hindrances that the church has got today is that they're scared to death. What are you scared of, he said. That's what I'm wondering. If you just realize who you are. If you don't know who you are. You don't know who is sitting next to you. You say, yeah, that's my neighbor. I know him all right, but he's a son of God. See, he's, an adopted, he's adopted by Jesus Christ into the family. That's the daughter of God sitting next to you. And who are you? If you're a Christian believer, you are a son or daughter of God. So what are you scared about? He said, no need to be scared. So why did the Jews crucify Jesus? Fear. Because the anointed word, is this okay? I'm, I'm, I'm taking my time to be slow here. The anointed word of the day came and challenged everything and threatened to change everything they knew all their lives. The word, the anointed word came to challenge the status quo, came to challenge all that they knew all their lives. The word came to challenge and disrupt the peace and comfort of all the traditions. When Jesus came, he challenged your thinking. The word of the hour came to correct what they thought about marriage. It changed what they thought about heaven. It changed what they thought about life after death. It corrected their attitude towards prayer and holiness. It corrected their thinking about fasting. The word came and changed how they thought about the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God doesn't come through observation. The kingdom of God is within. They thought the kingdom of God was something external. The word came and challenged that way of thinking. And the word challenged the traditional views held by the church for centuries. I hope you're with me because I'm not talking about 2,000 years ago. So it's the opening of the word that changed the traditions, that challenged the traditions. And now when the anointed word for the day came and told them the way you've been thinking all these years is wrong. 
The way you think about rapture is wrong. The way you think about the millennium is wrong. The way you think about hell is wrong. The way you think about marriage and divorce is wrong. All the things that they held dear, all the creeds and dogmas and traditions was being challenged by the message of their day and then rejected the anointed word because they'd rather hold on to the traditional views. Woo! We're going there. Now, Pilate knew that this man was a just man. He found no fault in him. But he was, a he was a politician, so he said, I know that this anger mob is going to get to me, and you're saying that I'm not, I'm not Caesar's friend, but I don't want this man's blood on my hand. So his scheme was, you know what? During the Passover, which was custom, I'm going to release a prisoner. Think about it. This is happening on the day of the Passover, in the time of the Passover, which is when the lamb was killed, which is when the token was being applied. In the day of the application of the token, instead of accepting the anointed word for the day, they accepted Barabbas. So he thought, surely the people are going to say, free Jesus. Because Barabbas, man, this guy is bad. He's bad news. Who wants that criminal back in the street? For sure, they're going to say Barabbas. Uh, they're going to say Jesus. That way, it's no longer in my hands. I didn't cause this. I gave the people what they wanted. And if they choose Barabbas, well, I didn't kill, him. I didn't kill Jesus. It's on them. So Pilate is scheming. This is like, yeah, this is a good deal for me. I'm going to get out of this. But who's Barabbas? Do a, do a little study on Barabbas. Barabbas says a few things about him. In many places, he says that you and I were Barabbas, right? And he took our place. We were supposed to die. He died in our stead. That's true. But in many other places, this is what he says. We won't have it rule over. They take their creeds and denominations and their little petty things that they believe and has been adopted by councils of men, and take it instead of God's word. What did they do? They took a Barabbas, a murderer, instead of the son of God, at the day of the first crucifixion. And today, they are taking some man's word, which is a lie, and the way of death, and refusing to take the way of life, God's word. What is Barabbas? Man's word. Who is Barabbas? And the blind traditions or systems could not see that that was God. By the own prophet that who the word came to, that say that he will be God, the blind system. So they had rejected the word and desired a murderer instead, Barabbas. And today the word being clearly for this day has been vindicated. It's been made real. It's been shown to be the truth. And at all the last days, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Sodom and so forth, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. The very God himself, who was the word, predicted the end time and what would happen. And the lights would break forth in the evening time. And how that Malachi 4, he would send forth these things and prove them. And it's been brought to the place of a decision. And the churches has turned it down. And what had the churches desired? A murderer of the word. One who takes a system. Oh my. So Barabbas is a murderer of the word. Barabbas is taking a man's word. Barabbas is holding on to a creed and a dogma and a man's way of thinking as opposed to taking the word. Now, when you talk about Barabbas, many people feel justified. Says, no, I didn't crucify the word. That's denominations. I accepted the message of the hour. But why is the prophet saying the Barabbas is? He's not saying the Barabbas is just denominations. He's saying it's a way of thinking. He's taking something else about the word. He's taking something that crucifies the word. That's Barabbas. Okay? Let me read one more quote. A murderer... Who would desire, why would you desire a denominational murder of the word than the innocent Christ? 
Would you crucify it? Would you dare to take Barabbas? Could you call for Barabbas? How dare anyone to do that, to call Barabbas the murderer of the word, and to take the word? Again, he's emphasizing here, anything that you take above the word, that's your Barabbas, okay? So anything contrary to the word, any creed, any dogma, any thought, any way of thinking that's contrary to the word, that's taking Barabbas over the anointed word. You see, how does this apply to me? Now, let me ask you this. Does the way you think about yourself match the word? If not, that's Barabbas. Does your attitude towards yourself match what the scriptures say? If not, that's Barabbas. When you think of yourself, I'm nothing. I'm about a failure. I'm about a sinner. Is that in love with what the scripture says of you? If not, that's Barabbas. So when you are dwelling on that way of thinking, effectively you're taking Barabbas over the anointed word of your day. Woo! Gets heavier, doesn't it? Anything that's contrary to the word, that's the murder of the word. Do you value yourself lower than the word? That's Barabbas. If what you think of yourself is lower than what the word says you are, that's Barabbas. If the way you treat yourself, the way you think about yourself, your low, your, your low self-esteem, if it's not in love with the word, that's Barabbas. You have come to a judgment seat tonight. What are you going to do tonight? What are you going to do? Are you going to take the anointed word of your day? Or are you going to take Barabbas? Are you going to hold on to your way of thinking? Are you going to cast it aside and take what the word says you are? Are you going to go back home here with Barabbas? Thinking, that was a good service, but I don't think I'm quite there yet. One day, maybe I might be perfect. That's Barabbas. Because the word says you're perfect. And what are you going to do with this anointed word? You have a way of thinking about yourself. I'm not good enough. And now the word says that you are worthy. What are you going to do with this anointed word? Anointed word of Barabbas. What are you going to choose? I'm bringing you to a place of decision. What are you going to do with this anointed word? I know you may think that, well, I, didn't, I accepted Jesus, so I didn't crucify Jesus. I didn't. That's not what I'm talking about. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying what the problem I'm saying here, anything that's contrary to the word. And anything that's against the anointed word of your day, that's your Barabbas. So effectively, you're making the same choice the Jews made by choosing Barabbas over the anointed word. By holding on to your own way of thinking, to your own convictions, to your own failures, to your own mistakes, to your own want to me. That's Barabbas. And that's contrary to the anointed word. So Barabbas is your unbelief, essentially. And Jesus is perfect faith. So then what are you going to choose? Unbelief or perfect faith? Barabbas is a carnal mind. That's enmity with God. Barabbas is looking at your condition as opposed to looking at your position. Barabbas is looking at your shortcoming as opposed to looking at your sacrifice. Barabbas is looking at what you see as opposed to looking at what God says. What will you do with this anointed word? The Pharisees chose to hold on to their creeds. So they would rather crucify the anointed word than hold, than, uh, and hold on tight to the tradition 
See, the release of Barabbas was the security of the creeds and dogmas. By releasing Barabbas, the creeds and dogmas were secure, were safe. It was not challenged. It was not at risk. They could keep on living the way they always lived. By choosing Barabbas, they held on to how they used to think all these years. They didn't want to be challenged in their thinking. By choosing Barabbas, they stayed with what they knew was a place of comfort. This is what we know. This anointed word is trying to bring us something different than what we know. No, we don't want that. Let's, let's stick to what we know. The anointed word of this hour has come to challenge our way of thinking. Challenge our ideas of life and death, the millennium, tribulation, marriage, divorce, holiness, all those things. Jesus challenged all their ideas. And the church decided, now listen to this. And the church decided that what the word had offered was too much of a radical shift from what they preached all these years. What Jesus, the anointed word of the day, was offering was too radically different than what they were used to preach. This is what people are having a a, a battle here, is that when the word of God is bringing them to an elevated thinking, so no, this is what we've known as a church for 2,000 years. This is what we know. We do not know this thing. What you're trying to bring us is too radically different. I'm used to believing Jesus was the son of God, and that's all I know. That's why I want to stay. But you're trying to tell me that I too am the son of God, and you're trying to tell me that I am perfect, The Bible says no man is perfect. Okay. Now what you're bringing is radically different than what I'm used to. And what did they do? Let's hold on to Barabbas. Are you following me? So they'll rather hold on to their beliefs than take the word. What are you going to do? I'm asking you again. What would you do with this anointed word? Would you rather hold on to your thoughts saying that you're a failure? Or are you going to take the word that says you're perfect? Are you going to hold on to your thoughts that say you're still sick? Or are you going to take the word that tells me that you're healed? What are you going to hold on to tonight is the question I'm asking you. What will you do with this anointed word? Are you going to hold on to your thoughts that you're unworthy, that you're no good, that you don't know how you could be worthy of his grace? Or are you going to hold on to the word that calls you worthy? What are you going to do with this anointed word? Will you hold on to your thoughts or will you take what the word says? See, when the word was made manifest in the days of Jesus, the law of Moses became a new book. When the word was made manifest in the days of Jesus, the law of Moses became a new book. Jesus was preaching from the same law of Moses. But it was a new book. He said, Moses said, but I say unto you. Why? It was the opening of the word that took the same law of Moses. And it became a new book. And when the word was opened, all of a sudden, the revelation of the law of Moses was radically different than what they were used to. When the seals was opened in these last days, this Bible became a new book. A prophet preached from the same Bible as Presbyterians. As Methodists, as Baptists, but the revelation that came from the open book was so radically different than what the church was used to. From the same Bible that I'm preaching. It's the same Bible that you read. But when the revelation strikes that word and it's a new book to you, and you begin to see that this word is about you, 
Now it's different. Too different than what I'm used to. The Bible is about Jesus Christ. It's about you. Robert said, the customers of God revealed. Christ in the Bible makes him the complete revelation of everything. And you in need in Christ makes you the revelation of the whole thing. When the seals were broken loose, it was a revelation of Christ. Amen. But it was your revelation. It was you revealed, unveiled in those seals. That's radically different than what you're used to. But it's not about just Christ. This Bible is about you. This last days, it's not just about God sending a prophet. It's about you. It's not about the second Adam or Jesus Christ being back. It's about you being restored back to Eden. It's about you. This same Bible is a new book. And now the opening of the word is a radically, it's radically different than what the church is used to. That's why they say, give us Barabbas. This is different than what I'm used to. I don't know that I have enough faith to believe this. I'm trying to call me perfect. Do you know my everyday life at the time? Why are you calling me perfect? If you saw what I did yesterday, you wouldn't call me perfect. Barabbas. Barabbas. What are you going to do with this anointed word? Who says, I find no fault in you. What are you going to do with this anointed word? That said, you're spotless, blameless. What are you going to do with this anointed word? That said, you're justified. You've never done it in the first place. What are you going to do with this anointed word? Are you going to hold on to Barabbas? Are you going to take the word? What are you going to do with this anointed word is my question. Don't take the lies of the devil. Your ways of thinking, your thoughts, your ideas, your convictions, your understanding, as long as it's contrary to the word, it's a lie of the devil, and that's Barabbas. If you never listen to it, what's the matter, soldier boy? Brother Bonham says, You're not gonna commit suicide. He says, That's the devil lying to you, and he will ruin your life if you believe his lies. I say, Reject the lies of the devil tonight. Reject Barabbas. What will you do with the anointed word? What will you do tonight with this anointed word? You say, I'm sick. I'm sick. I've been sick all these years. What are you going to do with this anointed word? Because you're telling me that you're sick, and that's a lie. Because the anointed word tells me that you're already healed. So what are you going to do with this anointed word? You're telling me I am bound, but that's a lie. Because the anointed word says, who the Son has set free? What are you going to do with this anointed word? You say, I'm not free to be free. Go be what the word says you are. Be it. This leper came to Jesus and said, Lord, if thou will, thou canst make me clean. Jesus says, I will. Be thou made clean. At that very moment, the leprosy left him. Why? Jesus revealed to him, it is my will that you be made whole. So the question is not, Lord, if thou will. We know the answer. I will. Now let me ask you the question, if thou will, thou canst be healed. If thou will, thou canst be made whole. If thou will, thou can be delivered. If thou will, thou can have your heart's desire because the Father already wills it. What will you do with this anointed word? Jean, what are you trying to tell me? I can see in my body that I'm sick. Barabbas, I challenge you tonight. I'm going to challenge you tonight. One is Barabbas, one is Jesus' perfect faith. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? When Pilate asked that question, they all cried out loud, crucify him. They wanted to make sure 
the pilot heard the vote. I voted for this man to be crucified. I want to go on record. This is where I stand with regards to the anointing word of my day. Let him be crucified. This is where I stand. I wonder what is your attitude tonight. What would you say? Are you going to be bashful about it and say, I believe him? I believe Jesus? Or do you want to go on record tonight? Is somebody going to go on record tonight? Let it be known concerning the anointed word of my day. I believe it. Concerning the anointed word of this day, I receive it. Concerning the anointed word of my day, I embrace it. Go on record tonight. What will you do with this Jesus? What will you do with this anointed word? What are you going to do with this anointed word? He's called you whole. He's called you healed. And you're telling me that you're sick. What are you going to do with this anointed word? What are you going to do with it? Brother John, I've been bound by chains. You have no idea. The word says that you're free. What are you going to do with this word? What are you going to do with it? This service came together two weeks ago. Brother Tom was preaching. What says out that cell part one? I was sitting in the back there. And as I was listening to him preach, the Holy Ghost began to deal with me and says, what are you going to do with this word? What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with what you're hearing now, John? And I began to be challenged by the word. And I, I was saying amen. He said, no, 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 no. It's not just about saying amen because that sounds good. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. We're past that. We're past sympathizing with the word. We're past entertaining the thought of the word. We're past agreeing with the word. It's time to be what the word says. What are you going to do with this word, Jean? I'm going to be it. Lord, you say I'm perfect. I'm going to walk a perfect life. You say that I'm all powerful. I'll put every demon out of my feet. That's what I'm going to do. What am I going to do with the anointed word? I'm going to be what the word says I am. That's what I'm going to do with this anointed word. Forget Barabbas. But I did this yesterday. I don't care what you did yesterday. I'm preaching off inspiration now. You know, there are things in our lives, situational circumstances we go through, where we have no other option, no other solution than believing in the word. God will corner you in a situation where you have no way out. Where your only way out is to have faith and to fall like Brother Murphy demonstrated. Fall into the arms of God. And just trust him. Because there's no other way. You are too used to having so many different options. Wait until God corners you a little bit. Where the only way out is to take what the anointed word says. I was talking to a sister that was telling me she was troubled with guilt. Something that she did in her past. And I told her this. I said, I cannot encourage you enough to make the guilt go away. You cannot go to therapy to make that go away. The only thing that will make it go away is that you're going to have to accept what the word says. That he's forgiven you and it's under the blood. You have no other option. It's either you live with guilt or you take the anointed word. That tells you that my sins are the bliss of this glorious thought. My sins not in part but the whole. He's been nailed to the cross. That's what the anointed word says. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to walk guilty? Are you going to entertain the burden of your guilt? I wish I didn't do this. I wish I never done that. You better believe what the word says. That's your only ticket to freedom. EBA, can the doctor help you? 
can science help you? Who can do anything but you but the anointed word? So now you've been cornered. What are you going to do with the anointed word? What are you going to do with it? If science could help you, maybe. If there was a pill, maybe. You send your samples to your lab, didn't you? And they say, maybe we can find something to, maybe create something genetically that can help you. Did it work? No. Why? Because now you're cornered. It's either Barabbas or the anointed word. Now, what are you going to do with the anointed word? What are you going to do with it? You have no other choice. Parents, your children at a loss, what are you going to do with the anointed word? You've prayed, you've counseled, you've cried, you spoke to them, you rebuilt them, you try this, you try that, you try this. Oh, what other option do you have? Come to a place of rest. Take what the anointed word says, because if you don't, all you're going to have is unrest and unrest and rest. Take what the anointed word says. What are you going to do with this anointed word? That one man message, they didn't want it. No, they didn't want it. And God never did deal with by one man at a, per, at, a, at a time. Always a one man message. You are responsible to God, each one of you. You say, oh, I believe it. What you do, you just entertain it. You entertain the thought. Now I'm preaching to myself. I'm not your preaching, I'm preaching to myself. We entertain the thought. It's simple to say, I believe it. Oh, this, this sounds good, Brother Tom. What you're saying is true. I believe it. Yes, I'm a son of God. I believe it. Yes, I'm perfect. All things are under my feet. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Brother says you're entertaining it. You claim that you're believing it. You're entertaining the thought. He says, like a woman sitting right here. I'm a young man waiting to get married. She meets my specifications every, in every way. A lovely Christian. She looks nice. She dresses nice. She acts like one. She lives like a Christian. I'll make sure make me a good wife. But she isn't mine until I take her. That's the way the message is. You can sympathize with it and say, it's right. But you've got to take it to yourself to become a part of it. Then you and the message become one. And that anointing is on you. It's not about saying that sounds true. That sounds about right. I believe those things. Take it. You are his victory. Oh, that sounds good. Go be it. Go walk a victorious life. Not because of your efforts, but because the word says that about you. Go be it. By his chops, you're healed. That sounds about right. I don't want to believe that. No, go past that. Go live a life of a person who's healed. With a positive confession that you're healed. Go be it. Be it. Show me that you've taken the anointing word over Barabbas. Go be it. Be what the word says you are. Don't sympathize with it. Don't entertain the thought. Go be it. You say you believe the message. You believe what Brother Manam says about denominations. You believe what he said about the rapture and about the tribulation. You believe what he said about serpent seed and the trinity. You believe what he said about Rome and the mark of the beast. That's all fine. But that's not all what the message is. What did he say about you? Don't tell me you believe what he said about denominations. What about he said about the church? What he said about Laodicea? What he said about that? What did he say about you? That's what I want to know. Now you have to have faith in what God says. Can you give me five more minutes? Or five to ten. <laughs> faith pleases God, as Brother Tim spoke about. Faith pleases. You cannot please God without faith. I was pondering this and this thought came to me. Say so the, the, the reason why God is so pleased with faith... Is because that's the only thing 
he, he cannot be anything to you unless you believe him. If you don't have faith, the only thing God can be to you is your creator. Because he created you whether you believe in him or not. And your judge. Your alpha and your omega. That's all he can be to you if you don't believe him. But if you believe him, any redemptive attribute of God can only be expressed to those who believe. In other words, the purpose of God is achieved in your faith. God wanted to be a healer. He cannot be a healer to anyone who doesn't believe him. When you have faith in God, you're giving him his whole purpose for being. In other words, if you don't have faith, allowing the fall was in vain. The only reason why he allowed the fall, so that somebody who's sick can be healed, somebody who's lost can be saved, somebody who's blind can be delivered. If you don't have faith, then the fall was in vain. He needs to find somebody who's going to believe in him because your faith gives him a purpose for being. That's why God is so pleased with faith. You are his reason for being. Any redemptive attribute of God can only be expressed to those who have faith. You say, I believe, but I don't think I can live up to it. I say you can. You say, oh, I'm not sure about this. Well, who spoke this word? That's the question. If God spoke it, somebody will rise to fulfill it. It better be you. Because I guarantee you, tonight in this service, somebody is going to rise up and take what the word says. And the word of God will be fulfilled in their lives. The attribute of God through redemption will be fulfilled in their life. It better be you. Somebody will believe it. God doesn't anoint the word for your day in this evening for no reason. Somebody's going to take the word tonight. Somebody's going to say, Jesus Christ, the anointed word is what I choose. Not Barabbas. I'm going to pull away my symptoms. I'm going to pull away my thoughts. I'm going to pull away my guilt. I'm going to pull away my ideas. I'm going to take what the anointed word says I am. In that message, what shall you do? With this Jesus Christ, Christ brethren, goes on and on and says, He's on your hands. I can keep hearing it, Brother Tom. He's on your hands. How are you going to get by? How are you going to dodge the issue, he says? He's on your hands. This anointed word, I'm placing it in your lap tonight. What will you do with this word? It's not just we're talking about it. It's this. What are you going to do with this? Now it's on your hands. What are you going to do with it? When you walk out of the service, I place the word on your hands. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with this anointed word? Right? What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the anointed word? What will you do with this Jesus? The anointed word that has come in these last days. You know what you're going to do with it? It depends on who do you say this is. Now who do you say this is tonight? Who's speaking to you? Is this your brother Jean? Who do you say this is? Who do you say is coming our midst tonight? Clover the Bible way. Who do you say is this? That's what Brother Brabham preached. He said... What shall we do with this, Jesus? Who do you say this is? Who is this Melchizedek? He's letting you know something is taking place in these last days. What are you going to say about it? What you do with it determines what he will do with you. Placing the word in your lap. Now, in closing, I told you I was going to get back to that quote. 
in a message also in prison, as we read in the beginning, he says, we're going to come back for a healing service tonight, and I believe that. There's something I want to convey to you, that if you believe it, all sorts of healings will take place. That's what he said. So I was intrigued. And we find out that that same day, in the evening service, he preaches a sermon called, He That Is In You. So the morning he preached all that in prison, in the evening he preaches, He That Is In You. And his opening scripture is Mark 11. Megan, if you say to this mountain, that's his opening scripture, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea. Then he doesn't stop there. He goes into 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now I begin to think that's curious that you use those two scriptures. So any preacher know here, your opening scripture determines where you're going. I can understand why John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you, because his title is he that is in you. But why is he taking Mark 11 if you speak to this mountain? And I began to point on this. Then I realized this. Mountain moving faith. Israel, the revelation of the one that's in you. Because you can't move mountains unless you catch a revelation that the one that's in you is the one mountains obey. That's the reason why he takes Mark 11 and 1 John 4, 4 and say, he that is in you, he should speak to this mountain. In other words, if you catch the revelation that the person who's in you is the creator, then when you speak to a mountain, it's going to obey you. Why? Because the person who's speaking is the creator of the mountains in the first place. Then he goes on to, into the blizzard experience in Colorado. Your message believers, you know the story. Where God says, go back in the storm. He says, why would I go back in the storm? Go back in the storm. He goes back in the storm and God says, I am Jehovah the creator. I speak to the winds. I speak to the sea. He says, speak to the winds. Tell the winds to go back. Now, Brother goes beyond that. He rebukes the wind, and he says something else that God didn't tell him to say. He says, may the sun shine for four days. Well, God didn't tell him that. God said, rebuke the wind. He said, may the sun shine for four days until me and my brothers are done hunting here. Then that happened exactly the way he spoke it. For four days, the sun shine, and then he goes on into this thought. He does it in zero. And he says, the one that spoke to that blizzard is the same God who created the winds. It's the same God who walked on the Sea of Galilee. It's the same God who created heaven and earth. It's the same God that was in Moses and spoke flies into existence. It's the same God that was in Joshua that stopped the sun. It's the same God that was in Noah. It's the same God that was in Daniel that was greater than the lion. It's the same God that was uh, the three Hebrews greater than the fire. He goes on through all these different examples. He said, I'm trying to get you to understand that the one who's in you is greater than your sickness. That's a revelation he was trying to get to the church. He said, if you can only get that, he says, all sorts of healing will take place. What is healing? It's revelation of who is in you. If you can only realize that, that the one who is in you is a life giver and is greater than that cancer trying to take your life. The one who is in you is the creator of heaven and earth. He is greater than all the mountains in your life. Because mountains obey to the voice of the maker, and the maker is in you. When a man stands where God stood, when a man stands where God calls him to stand, and speaks what God tells him to speak, he is standing exactly where Elohim stood in Genesis 1 when he said, let there be. Let me say that again. When a man stands where God asks him to stand, and speaks what God tells him to speak, He's standing exactly where Elohim stood when he created the world. You are never going to get any closer to creating power and anointing than speaking the word. When you say what God said, 
Why you stand what God has called you to stand? And the word of your mouth is his word. You are standing at the precipice of creation. And you can speak all the back into a chaotic world. You will never get any closer to creation than that. It's to rehearse the words of God. Now, stand where God has asked you to stand. You're a hyperstructure home, stand. That's your calling. You're a mother, stand. That's your calling. You're a son and daughter of God, stand where God asks you to stand. And anything that comes in your way, anything that stands against you in your way, you have the authority and you stand where God stood when you can speak against it. Greater is it that's in you. That's the revelation you're trying to get to the church. Who do you say this is? What would you do? Let's stand. I'm writing out of time here. But, what I want to say is we're standing in a similar trial this evening. The world over a trial. And I want the ministers who are listening, you're present, and those on tape also, to try to understand this now. I've tried to make it plain. And I'm making my point here and saying that we are standing today in another Pilate's judgment hall. This evening, I've taken you with me in the judgment hall. And I've asked you to sit on the judgment seat. And I'm asking you to pronounce the sentence. What shall you do with this anointed word? After Brother Malam tells all this story and all these testimonies, he calls, he says, okay, now let's pray. He says, we're not going to have a prayer line. He says, somebody believe. And he begins to discern one after the other. One, two, three, four, and then he stops and says, let's pray. And he prays, and he finishes praying and say, lady is sitting, laying down on those cots. He says, do you believe what I'm saying is the truth? She says, that's right. He says, though your muscles are weak with all this multiple sclerosis, he says, you can walk if you just try. And, and he goes, there she goes. And the entire church rejoices. He says, let's all stand to our feet. What if you just try? What will you do with this anointed word? You can walk if you just try. You can be victorious if you just try. You can read your favorite scripture if you just try. Don't think about it. If you just try, there she goes. I've been spiritually crippled. I not be able to walk with the Lord. I try one week, I go back to the things I left. I walk two months and I backslide. If you just try... If you believe this anointed word, you can walk with him if you just try. I'm hard of hearing from my left ear. I've not been able to hear properly. If you pull that finger right now, if you just try, you will hear if you just try. What are you going to do with the anointed word? What are you going to do with it? I've had arthritis all these years and I cannot stretch out my hand. You can stretch it if you just try. Greater is it that's in you. Then the arthritis in your body. I'm having eyesight issues. I cannot see properly. You can see if you just try. Don't think about it. Don't question it. Don't overthink it. It's either Barabbas or the anointed word. What will you do with this anointed word? This cried out, crucify him. I wonder if Claude, you can cry out, I'll believe it. I will embrace it. I will believe it. I will accept it. I will be it. I'm going on record. That's what I will do with this anointed word. He said it. 
I believe it. He said it. I believe it. That's my new answer, Brother Tom. This is my new answer. He said it.
Gilbert, do you believe this? What will you do with this anointed word? May God grant you your heart's desire, Brother Gilbert. Whatever it is that you have need of, may God grant it to you. Amen. Do you believe Samuel over there? Do you believe this anointed word? Be it unto you, according to your faith. Brother George, do you believe tonight? What will you do, Brother George, with this anointed word? you believe it? You believe it? You can have what you want if you just believe it. Sister Brock, do you believe this? What will you do tonight with this anointed word? Can God give you your children? Do you believe it? Can you receive it tonight? You can have it if you just believe it. Many people in the meetings of Brother Branham will say, pray in the heart and say, Lord, let him call my name. Let, let him call my name. And God is great to say, you are just praying. Lord, let Brother Branham call my name. It is for you. Amen. See, the issue wasn't they didn't have faith. They had faith. The issue, they wasn't too sure if it was for them. You don't need me to call your name tonight. You have faith. It's for you. What will you do with this anointed word? It's for you. Oh, God, help me tonight. If I can only get you to see this, our source of healing will take place. What will you do with this anointed word? How many believe it tonight? Tiffany, do you believe this? Do you believe this anointed word? Who do you say this is? Was it a man speaking to you? Who do you say this is? What will you do with this anointed word tonight? It's on your lap. Do you believe this, Selena? Do you believe this anointed word? Do you believe it? Is it Barabbas or Jesus Christ? Is it the anointed word? Then receive what you have need of. Believe it. You say, John, what are you doing? I'm being what the word says I am. I am a son of God. I have power over every demon spirit in this church tonight. And I put them out of my feet. I'm being what the word says I am. What says thou thyself, y'all? I'm the word made flesh. I'm the anointed word made flesh. I am a Messiah made flesh. And I'm exercising my rights. This is my God-given rights. Then my brothers and sisters will be free. These are our rights in the Holy Ghost. What will you do with this anointed word? What will you do with it, Ricard? 
Oh, you do with the anointed word. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Michelle, do you believe this? What would you do with this anointed word? What would you do? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? What would you do with it? Let me ask you, are you going to go home tonight and accept what the word says of you? Are you going to believe it? Or are you going to wonder about it? Or are you going to say, I'm not sure about it. I don't know. That was a good sermon. But could it be? Could it be? You have it if you just believe it. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? What would you do, Anthony? This anointed word. May God grant you your desire. Receive it. You receive it. I was talking to, to Josh today. Josh Reeve was a friend of mine. And I was telling him that I've been thinking about Jeremy. It's my first time publicly mentioning his name, but it's been on my heart. And I told him, I'm adding my faith to your faith. I'm binding my heart with your heart. And I'm believing with you that God can restore your brother. That God can restore Jeremy Rivers. If you can believe it, it will come to pass. I believe it. What will you do with the anointed word? I will believe it. I will embrace it. I will walk in it. I will be what the word says I am. I will have what God says I can possess. I believe it. bow our heads maybe you're expecting me to maybe pray a prayer over you but you know what it's about time you do the praying you talk to your mountain you be what the word says you are you possess your God-given rights you walk into the glorious liberty of the sons of God you be what the word says you are you speak to your mountain Whatever your needs are, you speak to your mountain tonight and walk away from this service knowing that God has given you your heart's desire. Greater is he who's in you. He is greater. Greater than anything. You want the Holy Ghost? Receive you the Holy Ghost. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell upon them. Be thou made whole. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Thou canst have it if thou canst only believe. Heavenly Father, loyal words are life. Your words are true, Lord. Your words come to pass just as you spoke it, Lord. Oh, we believe your word. We are believers. We are not doubters, Lord. We are not standing with those Jews saying, crucify the anointed word. We are saying we believe it. We are crucifying Barabbas. We are putting to death our own ideas. We are putting to death our own thoughts, our own unbelief. Let it die tonight and let the Son of God, the anointed word, live forevermore in our souls. Let your word come to pass. What you said, we believe it, Lord God. Let us be what your word says we are. We don't have to aspire to it. We have to walk in it. This is what the scripture says we are. And we believe your word, oh God. Greater is he who is in us than every sickness in this room tonight. I come in the name of Jesus Christ to rebuke every lying spirit. Greater is he that's in the people of God than all the lying vanities in the world. Greater is the creative power that's in EBA than that cancer. 
Greater is God who's in the people than all their sicknesses. What else shall we do with this anointed word? We believe it, Lord. We love your word. We embrace it, Lord. And Lord, we're not looking at how weak we are, because that's Barabbas. We are looking at what your word says we are. And we are a strong and mighty army. We are an invisible army. We are a powerful army and the devil is powerless before us. That's what your word says. And that's what I choose to confess. The devil says you did this yesterday. Let yesterday be yesterday. I take what the word says of me tonight. And I will walk in liberty as the word called me free. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We bless your name, Lord. Go with your people. May your word, oh God, fulfill in our lives that which was intended for, Lord. In the blessed name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. accept this anointed word. That's all that matters. God bless you. Why don't you leave? You're free to leave. But I want to rejoice in what the Word says we are. You got the victory tonight? Did you believe what you heard tonight? Well, why don't we just praise Him? Why don't we just praise Him? It's worship. It's a house of worship. It's not formality. We want God amongst us. And God has spoken. The Word has gone forth. I, well, I want to see deliverance tonight. There's people here who need deliverance. Let it be unto thee according to thy faith. How's your faith? My faith is strong tonight. Faith cometh by hearing the word of the Lord. Did you hear the word of the Lord? How many are delivered tonight? How many are delivered tonight by the power of the word? Amen. He said it. I believe. I know you. I know we say you said it. You said it. Okay, you're saying that in the in the whatever person. But I, I take it personal. He said it. Behold, I send you, Elijah. God sent this whole message just for us. To let us know who we are in him. He said it. And I believe it. He said Kingdom. 
anything in my name believing you might have it or you shall have it who wants victory who wants the peace of God who wants the Holy Ghost you say there's one filling but there's many baptizing saints I do not want to be a, a moss back Christian this message is to let you know who you are, and that's what we heard tonight, who we are in Christ. If you are unsaved tonight, tonight is your night. If you haven't given your heart to Christ, tonight is your night. The theme of these last few services, saints of God, I believe in it. I'm going up. I'm going up. Amen. I believe. I am the rapture. I can't miss the rapture. I am the rapture. And when that reality strikes, saints of God, there's no devil can shake you from it. What you heard tonight is unmovable. It's unshakable. Why it was God speaking through a vessel? I believe that. And I believe you'll never be the same that's why I come to church not to sit in a pew or sit in a chair I come to hear what God's thought is about me and I love that thought tonight what God thinks of who I am in him Satan I rebuke you complex demon Leave. You might as well speak to your mountain. I mean, do you see the theme from service to service? Speak it. You say, well, it was just a grain. Let it be a grain. The next one might be a boulder. But that mountain is going to move. Come on, army of the living God. We believe it. Can we sing one last song? Because Brother John, I thought he was going to go there. I thought we were going to be the army of the living God here. 
I'm going to chop down some devils. Joel's army, she is in plain view. Let's sing that. Morning stars together. I'm not getting tired. We stalwart man. He said, listen, listen. He said, well, you're just a little guy. Brother Brown said, it's not the size of the dog. These are big men. But it's not the size of
church is going to walk out these doors and this is going to be just a little thought. But we want the word to be embedded in your heart. But now you're in a group of people that love you. And you're going to be all by yourself, maybe in the car. But I want you to remember what you heard tonight. Well, they're going to send all this. Every time I get excited, they want to send an emergency vehicle after me. <laughs> Do you love the word? God bless you, Brother Jean. We love the word. we a blessed church I mean you talk about having a five-fold ministry within a local assembly we should be able to thank the Lord Jesus for the men of God that God has raised up within this church amen and I'm so thankful for your love and for your support this is a season that is so complicated with things and stuff but let's remember Christ is the center of everything. Amen. And Brother Sean gave me uh, two messages tonight, so look out. I've got, I've got a couple of services on that one. He says he got it out from me. Well, we're just rotating off each other. <laughs> do, you love, like, do you love it? I know you do. Well, we've prayed, we've sung, we've rejoiced. God be with you and give you a wonderful rest of the week. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen.